the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 276 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What's going on, guys? Apologies for the video um, and the more close-up version of my face and poor video. I know that's a raw deal. Uh, last week it was the Ecam Live that wasn't working, and now. Um, I guess it's not picking up my camera. So you're stuck with this. I'm going to tweet out and we'll just get this going and, and we'll get through it. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already. <clears throat> for for more of this, you know, uh, s- stellar content here. Um, clearly. Hopefully you guys are doing well. It's a crazy week over here in Las Vegas for UFC 276. That's where I'm recording from. Um Despite the, I guess, cool wooden background, uh, no, uh, no live stuff or uh, on-site stuff here. Uh, just a Mikasa, but we'll get through this. Um, all right, tweeting it out now. I actually had the tweet prepared for the most part, so that was good. Wasn't completely unprepared like last week, but you know, gotta have something right. All right, that's out. Cool. All right, what's going on, everybody? Okay, let's close this. I uh, appreciate you. Grateful, dude. Grateful for you. Mark Fellows, what's going on? Yep, it is International Fight Week. Hope you're having a beer for me, Mr. Fellows. Um, yeah, so uh, hopefully you guys are uh, all hearing this uh, this fine and uh, whatnot. But uh, we're going to go break down uh, UFC 276 from top to bottom. Check the timestamps. Sorry for the different energy. Um, as y'all prefer these YouTube things, you're going to get a bit of different energy. Not as fun, even on a good day. It's not really been, a, it's been kind of crazy. Uh, and that's not been bad. I'm grateful. Like grateful dude in the chat there. Um, it's just been, it's just been a crazy, uh, difficult week, high pressure times, all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, as I said, uh, things not going according to plan. It's okay. Cause like the UFC, they have such a lax schedule. Um, there's always time to like, uh, you know, do stuff like finally get on Stitcher after a half a decade and do all these things that I keep promising you guys. Um, one of these days, I know, because again, the schedule's so lax. So let's go ahead and get through it so I can push on to the rest of the week's duties because uh, the week isn't over until like the fight starts. And it's right on to the next one. Um, Bellator 282 recap, not much to say there. Only had one pick and one play. That went, wow. Uh, congrats to Johnny Eblen, uh, the Korean-American there taking the title. Um, I didn't watch the fight, so I can't say I won't be able to watch the fight until either Evelyn or Musasi uh, uh, fight again, right? So uh, because again, I just so much time in, in in this in this beat and schedule to justify going back. I don't know how you guys do it. You guys are able to like bicker about scores and stuff like the whole week, and then still like get whole card previews out or like uh, in depth stuff like. Props to all y'all. I don't. I don't know how you do it. And uh, you know, um, shouts to my guy. By the way, Dan Albert. He is like he, him and Fino uh, from the fights. I did like a full card breakdown, 
And those are always awesome. And uh, I, I don't know how, you know, these guys who have their earlier in the week stuff get it done. My guy Clint, uh, Die Hard MMA, does one on, like, uh, uh, Mondays. Um, shoot, I don't know how you guys do it, man. But uh, my, my guy Dan Albert also had an in-depth on, uh, which I still haven't read. I'm, I'm going to read. I just have to try to keep my filter clean. But it's so hard because, like, w- what I've learned in these um, in these uh, big pay-per-view weeks, uh, especially the ones that, like, I'm in town for or happen in my town, however you want to put it, like, unless you come into the week prepared with what you're going to do, like, you are behind. Everybody's got a bunch of content they're trying to get out, and it's just it's just bananas. It's overwhelming. It's, it's kind of – it's pretty overwhelming, uh, quite frankly. So um, I've just been been very careful about how I go about my timeline these days. Um, so I still have a lot of catching up on. Forgive me. Uh, but as per usual, uh, I will give people shouts because uh, that's how you do things, right? You give people shouts and um, – you know, uh, that's how, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I know most podcasts don't give people shouts and I spend too much time doing it, but I don't know. I'm, I'm crazy like that. Um, thank you guys. I just want to shout you guys real quick. Uh, those of you who hit the PayPal donation recently, I don't know why you have, I've, I've been on a crazy losing streak. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't deserve it, but thank you guys, uh, for hitting that link tree over there or the, Secure PayPal link at mixedmarshallanalyst.com. Hopefully, we'll turn it around this week. I don't know how much of a turnaround we're we're kind of building a bank back, but are we, or am I going to kind of go in and push it to the limit, as my guy uh, Lou Betya says? Uh, shouts to him. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. I'll kind of explain my strategy this week because I, I got to be careful how I play things. I, I probably should be in bank building mode. Um, although my bets are so far kind of. Uh, small and limited for now. So maybe I don't need to, and I can kind of keep these uh, units that I've laid and the units that I do want to lay. We'll see if I end up laying. So instead of speaking coded, let's, let's uh, blow through. Oh, and last shout out to my guy, Aaron B uh, who I made it to do a pre-show with. That should be recording. Um, shout out to that guy, man. He's a, he's like, he's like me here. He's like a one man show. Um, whether it's his podcast and the TSN MMA show, that new format he's got going. Uh, interviews uh, and a lot of people in the media are like that. I just wanted to, you know, give a shout to all the one man shows like my guy Aaron B. Bronstetter out there. Um, because it's it's tough, man. I tell you from experience, uh, it is it, it is it is tough to do. Uh, and uh, these weeks, man, you gotta hustle hard. So, man, tip of the cap, man, no hate. Um, yeah, uh, I probably missed a bunch of shouts, but let's get uh, let's get on to with it. UFC on ESPN was at 38, UFC Vegas 57 recap. Uh, I wrote, I still suck. <laughs> yeah. Four and eight overall. That's awful. It's usually the opposite. And yeah, that was, that's just awful. Oh, and two in straight plays one and one in props and one in seven. I think it's a seven. Hopefully it's not a nine, one and seven in round flyers. So, uh, yeah, not, not great. Not great. Um, so, uh, da, 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 da. Dan Urban, I don't know how anyone does tape study. So yeah, same here, Dan. I don't, I don't know. Like f- fights are get canceled and stuff. And like the thing is, it's weird too. Like, uh, dude, I spent so much time trying to break down some fights because like I think like Wednesday or whatever, I'm trying to write. You know, Wednesday or Tuesday, I'm trying to write my main event, but I'm like, I finished tape study for it on like Sunday. So it's like you know, I'm like, what? Now I got to go back and rewatch stuff again. It's hard just to like block long enough timeline to like do my tape study, get my thoughts in line, take my notes shoot the video and then write everything down. 
And that's why that gift that I posted was so perfect of the guy coming in with the pizza boxes and everything's on fire in the apartment. Cause that's me. Like I made these like pizzas. I did, did the tape study. And then I come in and all the lines are shot. Everybody's, you know, posting their bets uh, for the gamblers on my timeline. The analysts are getting their takes out there so they can be first with their takes. And everyone's here first with their bets. And I'm first with my takes. And here's my content. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, click, click. And you guys get like overwhelmed. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm Rudolph, man. I don't want to play those reindeer games, man. I just want to do my shit over here. Um, but I feel like I'm asking for like one of those memes where it's like the faces or whatever. And you need like the, the nerdy dude with like, who's bald and he's got the beard and the glasses. And he's saying something like I would say about, I don't know, tape study or doing the work. And then you need like the bro dude with like the beard that just goes bet the dog. And like, that's like a summation of my betting history this past like month or what I just feel like, um, what I feel like I see as far as success goes. And I'm not hating. I'm just saying like, man, you know, uh, people value betting, high volume betting, your different styles and takes. I'm not hating. You guys are doing good. Your boy here, not so much. So let's see if we can, we can turn that around, but we gotta, we gotta finish, uh, taking our medicine here. Um, as far as the recap goes. So, uh, yeah. What's up, Dan? Hope you're doing well. Brian J. Thank you, Brian J. Hope you're doing well. I'm going to pull up the recap here for uh, UFC Vegas 57. Sorry, you can versus Gamrot. Yeah, man. Like negative pick ratios, uh, eating, eating, you know, shit uh, on my plays. Like I, I need to, you know, I, I like the wire gifts. Like I really need to, I need to look down here because my good camera is not working. Um, I like the wire gifts because, um, yeah, uh, because I like the wire, but uh, I, I'm like, you know, Mayor Carsetti. Uh, oh, another plate of shit. Um, and then like I end the night with uh, speaking of shit, bad taste in my mouth, right? Because uh, despite having like a good main event record, my main event record has been freaking terrible, even when I've been doing good on these, uh, doing good on the pay per views. That's been my saving grace, right? Knock on wood, we're talking about a pay per view later in the card. I know you're suffering for, through this for a reason. Um, but yeah, like I even on those where I'm having good nights or like getting them all but one right, that one is like the main event, right? Uh, Whitaker Adesanya. Or uh, even the winning night last one, 275, uh, you know, uh, Old Man Teixeira, Glover's Garage. Oh, Glover's Garage. I should have worn my shirt. Um, soon. I got some cool shirts coming in if, uh, you know, this, this channel keeps going. I'll, I'll wear them for you. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I keep eating shit on these main events. And Mateusz Gamrot uh, defeated Armand Sarukian. I scored it more 49-46 to 48-47 range, Sarukian. Um, Shouts to my guy, Dan Urban. Uh, I know he is, I take, think he, he was like the only person on MMA decisions to score 50-45 and got some undue crap for that because I feel like you could justify, and I'm not upset about the score. I didn't even bet this fight, folks. Uh, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm commiserating on eating shit on the main event as far as just my analysis goes. But but as far as scoring goes, you know, analysis, scoring, betting, all these things are kind of different, but they're tied together here. Uh, I feel like you could justify that more than a 48-47 game right now. Does that mean it's a robbery? No, no, I'm not on that boat either. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, uh, I, I feel like it just was, uh, you know, again, as I always say in these things, it's Thursday, folks. Everything that's been said has already been said and beat with a dead horse. I don't. I don't need to like run up and kick it while it's down here. Uh, but yeah, like I, I just felt like it was kind of a disservice when you finally start getting, you know, through the efforts of annoying people like myself, or you know, uh, you got you know the Sean Sheehan's leading the charge of the media, uh, couchside judges, 
Um, and then you finally, finally get the UFC, the all powerful UFC broadcast, right? They, they, what they say depicts a lot of perception, uh, something that I constantly acknowledge. And I don't know if people do as much because it, it's, it's, it's real. It's out there. It's not tinfoil hat. Um, it's just nature. It doesn't mean they're, they're, they're bad or they're this or that, but when they say things good or when they say things bad, it is amplified. They are on the broadcast. They are the voice of the broadcast. So to finally get them to go to a workshop seminar, and I know they weren't perfect. Who who does ever turn on a perfect broadcast, right? Uh, no one would. And as talented as they are, you know, they don't either. But for the most part, we got to give them credit where credit's due, right? Like they were actually talking and tying um, their broadcast to the criteria. Now, I think they should, you know, I'm with John Anik. I think we should be able to focus more on analysis as our strengths would be, you know, but uh, at the same time, it is good to have them on the same page. So it was just kind of ironic, like all this effort being made for this one night where you arguably have the highest percentage that we've ever had since this criteria has been, you know, uh, placed uh, 2017. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what we got. You know, that that's what we got. Now I will say it wasn't uh, takedowns, control and you know one crank attempt versus damaging strikes it wasn't that black and white um gamrot was landing very clear crosses that i feel like people on the upset side of the argument um weren't mentioning or acknowledging enough probably um and maybe you know the judges cage side saw that um shouts to sean sheehan who um gave me some shouts on the body work which uh you know i appreciate of course but he wasn't being you know tongue-in-cheek about it he was giving some good uh uh, some good notes on it that I actually agreed on uh, saying that, you know, um, even though it, it is, you know, still fair to look at the points that I made uh, that I kind of uh, quote tweeted there and, and had pinned uh, the earlier part of the week, as far as me saying from last episode, right. Anytime we have a controversial decision, look at the fighter you think should have won. Um, they probably landed more to the body. They probably landed more to the legs. They probably showed some damage air quotes or body language, bad body language air quotes that probably wasn't as bad as it was um those are often the common culprits right when uh when, when it comes to these decisions and um but 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 aside from that you know you look at it and all three judges were consistent with one each other, one another to their credit and they, all three of them gave sarukian the early three rounds which like emmett uh even though we have the questionable round fours right in both those fights but like emmett again i got to keep that same energy right uh, they went to the body mainly earlier in the fight. So if any of those judges are giving him the early rounds, I got to assume they're crediting my beloved body work. So uh, I got to give him, you know, some slack there. As far as the knockdown, um, I, you know, again, I didn't go rewatch it. I still feel like you could have justified the round for Sar Sarukian uh, aside from it. But the reason why uh, I'm not, you know, waving the flag as far as going, look at the knockdown. One replays are always really decisive folks as far as impact, whether we're trying to judge how hard an impact is or how illegal it is. Like look at Emmett uh, Stevens, that whole replay gate, right? You watch that live compared to how they show it in the replay. And it's just, and you're getting different angles too. So you're having to judge and, and kind of do a little bit of consistency, uh, you know, uh, testing it's, 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 it makes it really difficult. So I'd be weary of that. Um, and B, uh, you know, I, I'm somebody who's constantly talking about, you know, whether it's an actual shot to the head or a shot to the shoulder, um, when a fighter's on one leg, we often overvalue that, whether we're doing stats, judges scoring or are interpreted what they're scoring or what we are in fact scoring, uh, arguably those can be or mo more often than not overly weighed. 
So, you know, again, um, I, if, if I'm less me not be hypocritical, I have to I have to bring that up. Right. So that's why I don't side on the side of robbery, even though I scored it more 49, 46 to 48, 47 range. Sarukian. OK, uh, the shave cat, Chef Cat Rachmanov uh, defeated Neil Magny. Um, I was so broken. You know, I was just like Edward Norton from the shower scene in American History X at this point. Like, you know. Uh, this was like the equivalent to the teacher coming in and talking to me after I've been stitched up. Like, I don't want to, I'm just, yeah, yeah. There's a way out. Sure. Okay. Please just, I'm in pain. You know, that, that was me, um, uh, at this point of the card. So I actually like ended like my last two bets were winning bets and I didn't make a difference. I was just, Oh, your boy here was taken off, but I will say, um, you know, Shouts to uh, Laura Sanko. I saw her in one of her previews. I, uh, again, I didn't go watch her preview, although I did sub to her channel. Um, but uh, I saw in her preview, she was like, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not the only person who like, you know, does the visual thing. But to my credit, I did the whole visual breakdown of the Armin guillotine, right? And broke down the dynamic of it's going to be, it's going to go to the floor and you're going to have the half guard dynamic um, that Magni plays versus the threats, um, Rachmanov. And Rachmanov was playing all the threats perfectly. Threatening with the Darsh, threatening with the guillotine, um, thudding shots, tapping them, annoying them, trying to get them to move, trying to get them to move into those counters. Um, Magni was is pretty savvy from that. Again, like I said, he's been studying it since he's been doing the Damian Maya seminars. Since Damian, Damian Maya did it to him, that then it became his number one getup choice. Um, and we saw that dynamic play out, and Shavkat passed the test. You could see him waiting for the clock at the end because Magni was crafty and surviving, even though. Uh, Shavkat was dominating all the positions and sure enough, he let him up into the arm in and um, too bad. Uh, I, I wasn't excited at this point of the night and, I, and could not get excited, but uh, yes, if you had a live camera on me, I did call it from home and go, okay, he's got it. And we didn't waste our energy. Like I said, on the breakdown because we followed the rule of thumb. Didn't we? All right, see, you can learn something from this nerd every once in a while. Josh Parisian defeated Alan Badeau. Um, Badeau, a deer. I forget the song I said on Aaron's Sponsor's pre-show or, or that. No, it was on this show. I forget what I sung, but yeah, I'm not going to attempt it again. But there was a way for Josh Parisian. And uh, happy, happy for him. Um, I got to ask my guy Brad where he stands in the T-shirt in the pole division rankings. I mean, he is a perennial contender, if you ask me. Uh, and you know me, I'm a big fan of the everyman. Uh, Josh Parisian seems like a really good dude, all jokes aside. Super happy to be wrong about that one. Um, Thiago Moises defeated Christos Yagos a little faster than I thought. I thought he was going to rock him first, but um, the submission dynamic was uh, was there. Um, nonetheless, for the finish, right? So the Moises inside the distance, half a unit. Um, bet uh pays um so that was that was nice and the oh shavkat round two sub you know we saved a couple units i guess but it was still a losing night so no you know me i'm not one to uh adjust the you know adjust the numbers play both however you want to put it uh put false shine that's not there i don't know what i'm trying to say but hopefully you do um umar Umar Nurmagomedov uh, defeated Nate Manus. Um, He went for the submission in round one, but if he doesn't get it, it goes to decision. 
decision. So that's what it went to there. Uh, yeah, I am a geek, Alessandro Ribeiro. Um, are you aware of the grab the elbow finish from Dan Urban? Uh, I, I guess he's talking about uh, Shavkat, possibly. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, checking on the chat there. Moises. Moises. Okay. Oh yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that that I didn't go back to watch that finish. I missed it again. I was just like, oh, he got the finish. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so you know, there's that. All right, hey, decent. You know, get getting some more live listeners, uh, live people in. Feel free to jump in the chat and balance out the uh, the crappy comments. <laughs> that would help. Uh, although I always love people that come in and say negative stuff, and they're just like helping my views and my watch hours and helping me get closer to get paid. So. And helping engagement, man, they're helping me like multiple ways. So that's that's fine. But you know, I just want to hear from the uh, the friendlies as well. All right, next fight we got Chris Curtis defeated Adolfo Vieira. Um, yeah, man, uh, Chris Curtis. Uh, you know, he uh, beautiful body work seminar. I think Miguel Class follow and shout out to at Miguel Class on Twitter. I think that's his his handle. Um, did a sweet body work montage. You know, I'm a big fan of the Southpaw body work, Chris Curtis. Um, yeah, and props to Adolfo Vieira for surviving. Uh, I was a little nervous. That I, I know it, the commentary was doing the thing where it's, it's natural. You got to give credit to both sides. And then sometimes you naturally, especially when you're in media, you naturally like, are overly making a case. You're overly being polite. I've done plenty of versions of this. We all kind of, uh, you know... Uh, do to some degree, or at least have to cross that bridge. So I, I try not to condemn him, but I was just, oh, it was hurting my heart to see all the beautiful body work and uh, them to say the striking was close and a lot of the stuff wasn't really uh, landing. Chris Curtis you know, does a lot of shoulder roll stuff too. Granted, he rolls with the punches. Thankfully, the judges didn't think the same way. Although, you know, the finish would have been nice. What for lack of trying? I know my guy Eric Nixick was in the corner. Um, you know, it was beautiful. You know, I love that. You know, you see people baby a losing fighter and it's not helping them. Um, you know, Eric was Eric was staying disciplined with a winning fighter. Like, you know, the complete opposite energy with a different result, but yet appropriate, you know. And uh, yeah, man, good on them. Uh, missed the round props there, but uh, what can you say? Carlos Alberg defeated Tafon Chukwi. Uh, didn't watch this. I guess I'm glad that I got bet out of Chukwi range because um, uh, I when I saw him at plus money, I was like, oh. Um, but yeah, it was good. I got bet, you know, stayed away from that, stayed away from Shai Lander and Becky versus TJ Brown. Didn't watch much of it. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, I watched this because I had a bet on it. Sergey Morozov versus Holly and Paiva. Um, you know, Paiva kind of let it go by letting off the volume, though I will argue. Um, it was closer than commentary was leading on. Uh, Morozov, you know, I, I honestly didn't see too much success after the first minute. If anybody was consistently jabbing to the body of your head, it was Paiva, but not consistently enough. And he took like a whole minute off in that last round. So you can't be mad at the score. Um, I'm just one of those people that would would argue it was closer. And then if you go to MMA decisions, you're not going to see a single scorecard for Paiva. But you got to keep in mind, pretty much none of the people that submit scorecards and made decisions are ever live in the arena. If they are, they're usually, or at least they should be, covering scores for their own outlets. So all the MMA decision scores are subject to broadcast. And I know not everybody listens to broadcast. Some people listen to Spanish. Some people listen to none at all. But like I said, very few people are uh, very few people are, uh, 
are good or or at least show that they uh, acknowledge broadcast biases. Um, so again, I would I would, you know that's going to fall in the history history books as a as a just a you know a clear win. But uh, you know it, it sucks for for Paiva. He's had he's got some gifts here, but he's you know he's had some shortcomings there. And uh, you know uh, I just feel for the guy. Uh, seems to be doing good now, but I'm pretty sure he lost a girlfriend in a motorcycle accident or some shit. Like some brutal story coming into the UFC. I hope they keep him around. Um, regardless, Cody Durden defeated JP Bays. Uh, glad I stayed away from this one. I think I picked Bays, but I was confident, didn't uh, research that fight. Um, to end up taking the shot on Kelleher, and boy, was I wrong. Just Bautista looked the best ever, right? Did he not? Um, and that, that tends to happen when I bet against people. So, you know, it, it shouts to Bautista and Page Note the improvements as far as wrestling goes from the MMA. Um, from the uh, MMA lab people. Uh, Vanessa Demopoulos defeated Jin Yu Fry. Um, heard some issues with the scorecard. Most of the scores that I saw on my timeline were, were, were Fry. But I didn't watch it, nor did I bet it. So I can't say, nor would I really say. So that is the recap for that card. How do we do on time? 24-25. Cool. Hopefully we can be decent on time so I can get some sleep and hit my strength and conditioning. I did not. I missed striking today, and I'm pretty bummed about that. But um, thankfully, they're giving us a deal on the training program we're doing. And uh, I'm going to start uh, uh, training with the uh, uh, the Gen Pop, and then hopefully more people my level see where, see where your boy stands and get some extra workouts in the weekend. Maybe... Might get a workout before this card starts on Saturday. Go do some uh, striking and some jujitsu. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. Before we get there, let's see the uh, – hey, what's up, Drew? Damn, man. Glad to see you getting ready for the weekend. Yeah, let's get back on a roll. You, you said it, buddy. Ricky Omang had a huge bet on Olberg after the line move late in his favor. On tape, just so much faster. Good on you if you got an advantage of the line movement. Always nice to be on the right side of that, right? Uh, you know, uh, we'll see if I am, um, sometimes it breaks in our favor, um, which we'll talk about this week, right? We'll talk about in a second and then broadcast bias and judging is real. The judges giveth and the judges taketh away. That's right. Sometimes we got to rob the judges, which we'll get to, uh, here. Uh, all right. So we got UFC 276 Adesanya versus Cannoneer. Um, Man, this is going to be a good one. Uh, I'm going to have uh, I'm going to pull up some odds here. We got Adesanya minus four fifty, uh, Cannoneer uh, plus three sixty. Um, spread doesn't surprise me. Both between Adesanya's hype because it's deserved hype and his skill because his skill is really good and it's what gives him his deserved hype. Um, does that mean he's unbeatable? No, of course not. Uh, he's been beat before. Obviously, he can be beat. Again, he could be beat this Saturday. However, um, I'm not. I'm not quite counting on it. Um, uh, I think that essentially, you know, well, I mean, I think what I always think, folks, in the sense of like styles make fights, right? It's it's often stylistic analysis. There are certain things, you know, like trends or whatnot, but I, I always be careful with trends or models or any of those things in MMA. It's a volatile sport. Whether we're talking about judging, gambling. I think we all have the habit and it's fine. It's like, ideally things should be easier, not harder. I definitely in my life need to make things easier, not harder, but we do have a bad habit of trying to be a bit too reductive with things. Right. And in one of the most intricate and volatile things like mixed martial arts combat, um, 
Can't be reductive, folks. I'm sorry. You got to do the work, whether you're competing, whether you're betting, whether you're trying to understand and adjudicate. Pick your beat. You got to do the work. And I say that as someone who does the work and gets, you know, crazy views and real far uh, in the industry. Where <laughs> like I should be with someone who just, like, just goes in and like, you know, just like doesn't prep or has a bunch of you know, producers do it for me. We'll see. Uh, I'm not hating, by the way. A lot of great producers out there. And there, you know, a lot of great people who work with producers. I'm just saying. It's fucking one-man show over here. But, um, but yeah, um, back to what I was saying about styles. Uh, yeah, basically, you know, uh, I, I kind of go revere back to styles. You can get real in the weeds and rabbit holes by just kind of, you know. And, again, some people can get away with it, right? Uh, just going methods or certain trends. And I think those things are important. We should not ignore these. We should incorporate these. In fact, I'm not saying out completely. I'm not saying anybody who uses these things are trash. On the contrary, they're doing better than me. And we should incorporate these things. But what I am saying, styles make fights. And when you have a fighter like Whitaker who was fighting the way he did, which again I said in that fight, it was going to be a battle of who can make who come forward. Um, and the fighters knew that, right? Uh, um, we saw that play out in that contest. Uh, which I scored for Adesanya. I know I picked Whitaker, and that would have made a perfect night. But I don't let these. And I had a bet on Whitaker by decision. But I don't let those those. those uh, I call out my own biases. I don't deny that they're there, but I don't let them blind me either. Um, I saw it live for Adesanya. I still saw it for Adesanya on the rewatch. Uh, but that can happen. Marvin Vittori, like let's not forget, like Marvin Vittori's the grimace. You know, nothing can kill the grimace. Like the guy's fucking unkillable. You know what I'm saying? Like. Um, Cannoneer can be hurt. And who has Cannoneer been hurt by? Um, Sean Jordan. Southpaw could counter. Uh, that's who we got stopped by. Heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Let's go down there. Dominic Gray has another Southpaw can counter. Jan Blakowicz, not a Southpaw. Not a person who stopped him, but he beat him with an active left hand, a jab, and an ability to counter. Competent counterfighter. Uh, the only person to beat him at middleweight, he hasn't been knocked out or stopped at middleweight. Um, I'm sure, you know, he's not cutting as much weight as what is built up to be as his, one of his main selling points, um, is he came all the way down from heavyweight, right? Um, especially as far as like surface of the level analysis, you're just going to see that thrown out there and assume, you know, uh, the guy cuts a lot of weight. Like, no, I don't think he's, he's compromising himself, but at the same time, I don't think that means he can't be stopped either. I just think that, you know, it's probably the more basic reductive answer that you know middleweights although some of them can be heavyweights who cut weight uh, just generally not as big as heavyweights and generally not as big as light heavyweights etc right um but the one guy who beat him at middleweight robert whitaker not a southpaw but again jabber competent left hand competent counter fighter um those are the themes left hands southpaws can you fight from southpaw can you counter you go with the left hand can you throw some straight shots and jabs out there um I feel like you can arguably check all those boxes for Israel, Israel Adesanya. And then to hear him so confident as far as wanting to get a finish. It's funny. He would like hate anybody comparing him to Anderson Silva. And then now he's like been comparing himself to Anderson Silva. He's like, this is going to be like Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin. It's like, uh, all right. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know about that. I, I actually, you know, and, and it worries me because uh, shout out to my guy, Dan Stupp, uh, Dude, he's been on a fucking tear this year. Go follow him and, and the Action Network. I think they got a really good tracking app as well. Uh, go check them out. Um, but my guy Dan's been killing it, dude. He's he's been oh my goodness, like everything. He, I'm like Dan, 
give me some of that juju over here, buddy. Um, because I've had I've had the opposite, so that kind of worries me because he was on my buddy Aaron Bronsetter's show, and they're both thinking on a Sonya by decision. And if you look at the lines, that's what everybody seems to be thinking. Slash, you can't you know can't decide if it's going to be decision or a stoppage, and the bookie is making you choose. And I'm seeing again a lot of people going for a decision, so that makes makes me worried, especially you know me not being hot and the people who are um, hot, dude. Uh, our, our, our favor and decision, but oh man, this is the most confident read on the card. This is a pretty confident read for me, and I'm I worry about that. So, uh, but I, I put my money where my mouth is, and so far, just a unit on uh, Adesanya inside the distance at plus one thirty. Um, and I like the under even at minus one fifteen as it's gotten up to. I missed the boat at minus one hundred five and minus one ten. But um, I, here's where I'm deciding how I'm going to play it, folks. There's a couple of plays I'm on the fence about that I'm going to give you guys here. And uh, my bankroll is at an all-time low. I'm pretty much this is this is a real. I'm in a corner this one, right? Like you don't you don't you don't like to be so, but uh, you know this thing needs to be kept fun. And it's it's stupid. I'm going against all my advice and um, just looking like an idiot, exposing myself, being honest as I do on the timeline or here. Um, but yeah, like I said, with uh, my guy, Justin Janes, you know, uh, when people were, I believe were unfairly, you know, piling on him, it's like all these fighters bet on themselves in more, more than one way or, or not. All of us are gambling, whether we realize it or not. Um, especially in the capitalistic society, baby, you know, um, but, uh, that's, that's just the truth. And, uh, I've been gambling on myself for, for a while since 2015, 2016, 2016, 2015. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, without getting into the details, which I won't hear, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's just been getting tougher for uh, many, many reasons, uh, to cover the sport and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, your, your boy's just, you know, um, your boy, uh, has been, uh, you know, was gambling more than he, than he probably, uh, he probably should have. So I had to lower the unit levels back down and play it back smart, but here's the thing i kind of want to lay the under here but it just depends on what um what else i play and what i work with um because again gen the general rule is about 30 uh percent i've had these questions before 30 percent of bankroll um and if i bet what i want to bet uh i definitely risk going over that and that's the limit that i'm talking about right i don't i don't want to do that because i'm it's a uh, we're getting to crunch time here, you know, where we're really going to have to, to, to limit, limit the plays and, 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 and as far as the bank building period. So however you guys do it, please keep it fun uh, and whatnot. I'm just kind of explaining the weird kind of pickle. I am, which is why I pulled the trigger on certain things, but either way, I'm going to be looking at this under four and a half because uh, if Cannonier wins, I don't think it's going to be by decision. I think whether we're picking him or not, we can all agree on that. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. Uh, and if this eats this eats crap, uh, this might be the biggest play no matter what on the card. Uh, if this eats crap, uh, I'll still be doing previews and all that stuff. Don't don't worry, I won't be doing this show out of a cardboard box. We're not talking about that drastic, folks. I just I put a ton of pressure on myself too because again, not to get into the weeds with it or anything, but it's not even so much you know the bankroll and the money part and betting on yourself there. But uh, I'm also talking about betting on myself as far as image goes. And even though people don't hire based on your record, believe it or not, because most records, a lot of people that tout are, are bullshit. Um, you know, you, uh, you know, um, you gotta be, you gotta be careful about that stuff. Right. Um, 
but uh yeah i'm i'm a desperate free agent right now and uh, desperately losing not good two good things to have together so um these are also kind of the pressures i speak of as far as betting on yourself and getting a crunch time so um don't get it twisted but uh there's just a lot of stuff and even more that i'm not saying uh, to you guys behind the scenes so if i seem coded or weary don't worry i'm fine uh not losing my ass uh, I'm still working a junkie. Uh, we're still doing, we're going to be stepping things up there too, even folks. So don't, don't worry. None of these things, any of these inquiries that I find folks, but it, it, it's definitely crunch time as far as um, this working side of the business in multiple ways. Right. So, so hopefully we get it. Uh, that'll be my biggest play will be the under, which I haven't played yet folks, but it's going to be at least a two unit play. Uh, I'm either going to play some things early and see how those go and parlay that into the uh, under which i don't think is going to inflate too much more knock on wood or if i'm worried about it inflating and i don't pull the trigger on anything below you know what let's just take that two units let's throw it there and we have our sprinkles below for the night uh fight i'm definitely not playing alexander volkanovsky minus 200 max holloway plus 170 um yeah man this this fight was really tough for me to write uh i hate writing rematches in general they're really tough because you have to actually think and you can't be lazy. You can't just do my formulaic thing that I always do where I talk about each fighter's game. There are some connecting pieces and some tidbits where it's relevant, of course. Uh, go to the grappling, do the same thing. Tie it up with the odds, my opinions, and all the juicy stuff. It's a little different when rematches, much less trilogies. I'm going to sip of water here. Excuse me. Ah. Uh. Izzy was more rattled by Strickland than Cannoneer. The presser says, Mark Fellows. Yeah, that was some shit, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think I think uh, Sean Strickland's going to fuck up everything, right? He's going to get in everybody's head. Either way, maybe that's why that under is there, right? Uh, yeah, if, if, uh, if, you know, we're getting tinfoil hatty, but, like, if, uh, you know, if, if, if Strickland messed up the focus of Adesanya. Uh, but back to um, my focus, and I'll go back to sweeping down to the chat to touch up on what you guys are saying after this fight. Um this is a tough one. Yeah. And so like, I, I, and what, like, I feel like the last year, 2022, but even 2021, we've had like a ridiculous amount of rematches. So it's just been, yeah, I, I get like writers block like crazy on those. Um, so my breakdown's not out at the time of this recording, but uh, when it comes out, I basically just wrote a bunch. I, I recapped, you know, not as technical, not as in-depth, uh, not as good. I don't even, I haven't read it, but I'll tell you that right now is my guy, Dan Albert at typewriting DA. Um, but uh, I recap their history, at least as I see it. And as I see it, the adjustments tying to evidence, uh, both in their fights and, and subsequent fights since. Um, but uh, boring pick. I know I ended up going with Volkanovsky by decision here, just essentially I think he's stylistic or can be stylistic kryptonite. Uh, they're competitive, uh, competitive fights, obviously, but in the sense of his discipline, his counters, his durability, uh, his recoverability when he does get hurt, um, his power as well. Um, and just the, 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 both the tactics and the strategy to deny the builder that is Max Holloway is essential building the supplies, leaving him essentially stuck on the job site, right? Without anything to build. Um, because it's coming on on Volk's terms. So uh, I'm sure my guy Mark Fellows in the chat will be happy to hear this. Uh, I am once again siding with uh, siding with AUS, AUS, Australia. Um, 
and but no 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 bets here i know a lot of people are liking holloway or holloway by decision those numbers are growing i don't blame you i wish you the best my heart's gonna be with holloway despite being a volkanovsky fan as well right um but yeah you know my air quotes hawaiian bias or whatever you want to say like you know i i admit my biases all the time but i pick against them all the time too you know uh so we'll see maybe i'm doing a bit of that here um holloway could definitely make some adjustments the thing to look for from him are front kicks uppercuts uh knees um knees and elbows in the clinch that's something he's been adding a lot more as well as more takedowns that are opportunistic but i don't think the uh, grapplings or grappling improvements on either side even you know volkanovsky's inside trips or whatever like we just see how good their counter grappling is um if they score it'll be real short and sweet stuff where you just maybe get like a strike or two off the break which is what both of them at best were able to do to each other. I don't imagine that changes. Um, as far as striking for Volk, uh, he's got to keep using his turning jabs and hooks and hooking off his jabs and pivoting off of them, turning his opponent. Huge keys. And they flow into his uh, more lateral-based offense and staging points uh, for Volkanovsky, which is, which is again, is, is key too. I mean, uh, both the lateral movement, the stopping counters, the freezing feints, all those things are just hugely important and hugely effective against a very momentum-based building fighter like Holloway. Um, and for the improvements of Holloway's uh, offense is another thing he's been doing, which I think is going to serve him well, are same side head kicks. Um, we saw, again, I'm not sure if I was, I'm not sure which preview I said it in, uh, this one or Aaron's, but the right hand head kick on the same side. I suspected that's what Sarukin was talking about when he said he had some kicking things in the store. And part of the reason why I picked him was for his kicking advantage. Um, I believe that similar same adjustment could be here for Holloway. Um, we saw him when he was able to feint and kind of do a throwaway right hand to a left hook high kick. He was able to, uh, and it was also at a point where he kind of already had initiative seized on Volkanovsky was able to draw out his defensive reaction, kind of clips him on top of the head kick. Volkanovski is able to see it and do his intended defense from the from that point of the fight on, largely. But that was a, kind of an opening we saw, right, as far as effective moments for Max. And that same side head kick, um, whether it's from Orthodox or Southpaw, page note there, uh, I think those will be uh, will be one of the best bets. I, I would dare not reduce Volkanovsky to the stereotype of a wrestle boxer, but he's a really good boxer. And with his stature and boxing stylings, um, you're naturally going to be open up for some, some kick exposure in there, you know, moving laterally a lot too. Um, so to dissuade that and perhaps even catch some treasure, uh, we might see some same sided head kicks there from Max Holloway. Um, but again, for his offensive improvements, ultimately defense, um, there is still some things to be desired from Max there. And defense is where Volkanovsky, although you know he's been hurt more than Max uh, in their series or however you want to gauge it, technically sure, um, his defense is much more disciplined. And I feel like that is that's a very fair statement to make too. So I'm going to go with Volk by decision, whatever you're betting. I'm rooting for you because I'm not betting it. Um, all right. Uh, da, 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 da. RK99, congratulations on the 1K subs. Daniel, your work did wonders in helping me understand fights a lot more. Hope your channel keeps growing. You deserve it. Greetings from Argentina. Thank you. Oh, Argentina. Nice. Uh, 
Uh, I hate to be the dude who the American who always goes to every culture and just immediately talks about their food, but you guys kill it. Um, it's true. Uh, it's, I haven't gotten a bin, unfortunately, just uh, through, through some restaurants and some people. Steve Gregory, love the live breakdown format, Dan. Thank you. Glad you guys are enjoying it. Sorry again for the closer and more pixelated view. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with the camera. Just another thing I'm going to have to figure out. And, of course, I didn't get ready for early enough to have a test run. So um, I got surprised on the fly. Steve Gregory Strickland is American Bisping. Uh, you know what? Uh, if you're going to talk about like starting off largely hated and then you slowly but gradually come around to really liking the guy, I don't know if I'll like Strickland as much as uh, Bisping. I don't know. I've never met neither in person. Maybe I just like, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you like them even more in person. I like Bisping, by the way. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe people come around on 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 Strickland who, uh, you know, uh, I'll have some surprising notes on him too. We'll, we'll get there in a second. Um, that's funny though. Uh, Matthew Doolin, is he really hard to decision unless you have a massive size advantage? And if you have to point fight Izzy, it seems, uh, as though you'll never win only at 205. Um, will he fight people with an advantage? You know, I, the size definitely is a, is a huge deal. You're absolutely right on that. But again, uh, keeping the same energy with what I said before styles make fights and, you know, we haven't seen it yet. And maybe no one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Outside of, you know, you know, and, you know, not even Alex Pereja because, uh, you know, Izzy was doing well and uh, making the, those adjustments. And then as well as the MMA factor, we'll talk about Alex's game here in a second. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to think of anybody at middleweight. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be hard to, 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 to prove that point wrong, Mr. Doolin. Ricky Omang, it's just money. Keep grinding, Dan West, my man, true UK fan, Wesley Colvin. What's going on, buddy? Uh, Dylan, Dan, do you? couple of good weeks and you'll be back on top. Yeah, I hope so. Hope so for me and many, man. For me and many. There's uh, there's certain things I want to do for someone special right now. So that's kind of uh, one of my main goals outside of me. So hopefully good juju all around and we all win, right? That's that's the goal, right? Um, Dan Urban, you beat the 10 to 20 at the Chesterfield. <laughs> and the high joint on 79. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling like I'm feeling like freaking uh, – I'm feeling like, uh, you know um, – What's his name? Yeah, Edward Norton from Rounders right now for sure. Um, yeah, I even got troublesome people that 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 uh that get me into trouble too, man. That's that's a funny reference, Dan. It's a funny reference. Best free agent in the game. Thanks, Wes. Ricky O'Mang, tinfoil hat is how you win the big bucks. Phew. You know, I I have a real bad luck with that. You know who's really good? He actually busts out a literal tinfoil hat. My guy Clint from Die Hard. Go check out his uh post 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 weigh-in show. Um, we got Mark Fellows. What the heck? You'll have half a unit on Vogue. <laughs> I'll have half a unit on Vogue. Good luck, Mark Fellows. Uh, Caesars has the under in the main at minus 105. DK has it minus 110. Yeah, the problem is I have to go to the actual Caesars because I live in Vegas, and I can't go to DK because I live in Vegas. Those, those bastards. Boy, would I love a, one of those DK sponsorships, though. One, one day down the road, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'll I tell you – Dan Tom would just be happy with like just 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 a podcast sponsorship. It's been seven years. We'll get one, folks. Six years, six years. But uh, we'll get one. Uh, but I don't know if it'll be a DK or not. But that that'd be cool. I don't know. I can't play them. I'm in Vegas. It sucks. Um, you already in, you already done enough for me, Dan. In Vegas, let's go, Robert Greenbaum. What's up? All right, let's get down to the next fight now. Uh, 
We were just talking about it, right? Alex Pareja, minus 105. Sean Strickland, minus 115. Strickland moving back to favorite territory. Uh, Pareja opened plus 150. Strickland opened minus 116. So he's pretty much back where he... Well, my, no, he didn't. Sean Strickland, oh, minus 175. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you're getting a bargain for Strickland if you like Strickland. Uh, I think you might have even got him for dog money for a little bit there. Um, so this is tough. Again, maybe you can accuse me here of doing the thing where, oh, okay, Dan, you, can, you sure you state your biases when other people don't, but you also do that thing, Dan, where you, you, you overcorrect the steering wheel because that is human nature. I talk about refs doing it. Well, guess what? I'm just as guilty in my own beat, right? Because it's human nature. Um, that's why I say well, it's nothing personal against the refs because like, how could it be? I, I, I call myself out on it, right? And maybe I'm doing that here because obviously I'm not a, a diehard Sean Strickland fan, but my guy Eric Nixick, the great Eric Nixick, is going to be in that corner. Uh, Sean Strickland trains at many of places. He'll spar baristas if he, if he can, but Extreme Couture has become his home gym. Him and my guy Eric have, have kind of, you know, uh, met a mutual understanding. Eric's, you know, like it's like taking in that misunderstood foster child. And, uh, you know, if anybody's been a, a misunderstood, uh, you know, actually one of the few people in my family that wasn't adopted. So it feels wrong to take that credit. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, abandonment issues, nonetheless. If, if, if you know, you know, if, if, I, I see a little bit of me in there, not the gun toting and the, you know, the, you know, the let's go Brandon stuff. Right. But I, I see, you know, I'm, I'm listening to Sean Strickland talking. Who does this sound like guys? And I finally said at this show, you know, what sponsorships talking like this, what am I, you know, who's going to want to sponsor that? And then, then Sean Strickland was like, you know, and he's like, and then I stop and I think about it and I go, yeah, I do say some shit. Kind of makes sense that I don't have sponsors. I'm like, yeah, this, this guy sounds familiar. Who? And then I look in the mirror. It's me. Shmi. Shmi. It's me. So obviously it's not me, clearly, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, I can't fully hate on the guy, right? I mean, th th there's a, I, I get a little bit of that. I get that, you know, maybe he's he's a misunderstood kid in there, you know. Um, I, I hope he extends his his support to the LGBTQ and, uh, you know, just gay folk, uh, uh, to use a more improper term alike than than besides just by women. Obviously, hopefully, you guys know that this is a uh, this is an ally allied place as far as that goes. Uh, it's a lot of hate for trans, gay, uh, anything under the uh, LGBTQ umbrella. This is a safe place, folks. None of that shit here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay, I think I ran out of cards. I'm trying to try to figure out as far as like trying to like connect the bridge here with Sean Strickland. But either way, despite that, I'm gonna pick against him here. Um, I'll be happy for my guy Eric Nixick if if Strickland wins and maybe you know the the you know, this will be a win for the veteran over the hype guy, I guess you could say. But honestly, maybe I'm overcorrecting the steering wheel, but like uh jeez, <laughs> get the porn ads, baby. Um there we go. But uh yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm overcorrecting the steering wheel here, but like trying to be an unbiased analyst here, I, I look at it and um you know Sean Strickland can go for takedowns, but when I look for when he's went for takedowns against Uriah Hall or others, it's usually when he's had some type of momentum. He's really put on some volume, landed some good shots, gotten a reaction, if not his opponent outright hurt. And it's one of those things where he's punching and you're kind of running out of ideas. Excuse me, you just go for the takedown. Even Holloway, 
has been kind of subject to that as of late and he's called himself out for it right in different scenarios like those are the scenarios typically Strickland's going for it. he's not uh, unless we're going like back on his earlier trends when he was more of a grappler he's not going out there and just forcing a takedown game right um and if you look at uh Alex Pereja he's got you know some decent reads on eyes when he when he sees the takedown uh, he does have a bad habit of going guillotine, even though he doesn't sell out for it. Just the fact that he goes for it, he, I don't know how much he realizes he's committing a post and a potential leveraging wizard or leveraging underhook with that same arm, depending on what the defensive scenario calls for. Uh, even when he does get taken down with it, to his credit, again, he's not selling out with it, even though he'll still kind of hold that neck with the left side. Um, he will use it to properly stand. You can tell he really trained wrestling get-ups really well. Some real nice uh, get-ups against the cage. And even though Strickland can get aggressive, if you give him ground, he can get to the mount, maybe pound you out. I think that would be his most likely way of stopping this fight. Uh, but as far as back takes and RNCs, clearly he can do it. Clearly he's proficient in it. The guy's like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, I know he's a brown belt forever, so either he's a black belt by now or he he might as well be a black belt kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? Um but again, if you look at it, he wasn't going for him. He wasn't even really going for the back takes against Hall. And Hall, I hate to you know uh, say this about any fighter, but let's be fair. The stereotype about him is kind of there for a reason as far as like it's very mental. And it's not a stereotype with him. Fighting is mental. You know, it's a mental thing. Um, and I like Uriah Hall. It's not a, a, any way a diss on him. But, you know, we've seen him kind of shut down in fights before, right? That evidence has been there. He's... He's admitted it as much himself. You've heard his cornermen acknowledge, multiple different cornermen acknowledge it, right? Both live in the fight and in interviews. I'm not I'm not saying anything controversial, nor am I trying to be rude here. Um, but yeah, that, that that is a thing. And some of those takedowns just didn't even look like uh, he was contesting, that, that Strickland did land. And even in the state of arguable non-contestion at points that Hall was in, even in those states of duress, and deep into the fight, being tired, beaten mentally, physically, what have you, whatever you want to uh, uh, throw or accuse of him, even Hall was able to get back up using very similar style get-ups and not paying for it, whether by the front headlock or a back take. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily game over if Sean Strickland does decide to fight, air quotes, smart, right? Um and he will be going for strikes, so he will be scoring. So as far as, but I do think that Pereja can still win a decision via the more impactful and damaging strikes. Um, clearly, he is the more impactful striker. But uh, my official pick as an analyst, I can't help but see, and I'll be happy to be wrong here. Again, I hate picking against my own team, but again, even though I state pick as an analyst, I can't help but see, and I'll be happy to be wrong. That doesn't mean I pick for them every time and bet for them every time, folks. So, um keep that in mind, you know, um, uh, hopefully this isn't me just proving that here and overcorrecting, but I see Pereja getting a knockout by the second round. Um, if Sean comes at him aggressive with punches, there's actually a, a path there. Is he going to open himself up for a counter? And is that ultimately what I fear and am picking for him to fall victim to? Sure. Yes, I am. But if you look at uh, some of his glory fights where he had some size and uh, length parity, and I know, um, Adesanya is both taller and longer than Strickland. Uh, he, Alex is going to have a, a, both a height and reach advantage on Strickland, but Strickland is still long enough. I think 76 to 80 off the top of my head, six, one, no, six, four off the top of my head. 
and uh, I forget which guy he fought from Big Mike's gym, uh, Alex Pereja. But that guy comes at him strong with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of pressure and straight punches, and it takes it takes uh, Pereja a minute to kind of get his get his wear and beat. That's kind of why uh, the Mikalitas fight on his debut. Why I said bet round two and we cashed that round two prop. Um, on Alex Padilla because it's, he's going to feel out people like he like he tends to do and tends to happen, especially if someone has a grappling option. They're probably going to exercise it on the kickboxer in the first round of his UFC fight. Right. Um, and sure enough, that happened. And then he had the the, the flying knee, um, which is a great dissuasive tool, especially with how accurate and how kind of double point set up um, Alex Padilla sets it up with. But that that left hook, that patent left hook, I can't help but not see it. A lot of left-sided strikes tend to hit Strickland. You look at the Ponzinibbio fight that he lost. Um, you look at the KO. Granted, those are both at uh, welterweight, granted. Uh, that was spin kick came from the left side. Um, yeah, you know, he's got a real unorthodox defense that, you know, you should give credit for. Um, Eric Nixick was kind of explaining that. Uh, awesome interview you did with Luke Thomas, by the way. Shouts to Luke. Luke killing it with his content. I know Luke gives me shouts on his show sometimes. He doesn't have to. More than generous for a, a dude that noted to give me give me shouts, but uh, go check out his content, um, his interviews this week. He really he really killed it, and uh, I'm always happy to see my guy Eric Nix again in the shine. And it always bothers me because like I've been supposed to have him on the show forever, and I feel like he, I, I'm sure he doesn't think so because I talked to him, but like him and like, a bunch of other people, I'm like they probably just think or have every right to think I'm the biggest asshole in the world. Because, like, you guys know who listen to this podcast. Like, I average fucking three or four guests a year. You know what I'm saying? So when you have this long list of, hey, let's do a podcast together, like, it gets pretty damn long. So there's this, all these people that are probably like, Dan's an asshole. He never asked me to come on his show, not realizing, like, I'm a fucking mess that's, you know, constantly, like, avoiding the shower scene in American History X. Why do I keep going to that? But that's what it feels like. Uh, hard to explain that, of course. Wow. Weird, Dan. Uh, but you got what I'm saying. It's... Uh, yeah, so yeah, it, it, it's um one of these days I'm gonna like have everything on time and, and know what that's like. I'm gonna have a day to be bored, have time to play video games, have my bets in early, and like maybe I'll even do a get together and be able to like hang out with y'all on these on these local pay per views and stuff. You know, one thing out of a time. I know I gotta get my shit together first, but needless to say, uh, I will get Eric Nixick on this show. Uh, I just probably look like an idiot by now. Like, aren't you supposed to be some poor guy and like everybody else interviews? I'm like, ah, I just. I figure everybody's busy too. I have that fucked up self-esteem where I'm like, ah, they're too busy to talk to me. And then in retrospect, that's not the case. They're like, dude, what, what's Dan waiting for? Why is he, does he hate me? Uh, so yeah, I probably make a bunch of enemies um, just being, you know, a flaky dummy. So yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, not the first time I picked against a guy that uh, Eric Nix looks in the corner of. Uh, he's a professional about it. I'm a professional. We know how it goes. I'll be very, very fucking ha happy for him. Like I always am. Um, if he comes through more money for him too. Right. So yeah, I'll definitely be happy to be wrong there, but the pick is Pereja. No bet. No bet. Um, Sean O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz, uh, as Michael Bisping would say, Oh, I hope we get Bisping on commentary. Do we, do we get some Pedro Munoz action there? Uh, that was awful. Uh, but yeah, no man, uh, again, you know, um, I don't know. This is, this is just another example of like, you, you got to separate, uh, and I, I don't. I don't think I'm overcorrecting the steering wheel here, but it's another example of you got to separate the biases, right? Um, Sean O'Malley might not be my favorite or your favorite, uh, though I have heard some positive things in the grapevine, folks, about this guy that would surprise you. Um, 
but again, he may not be my favorite or your favorite, right? Outside of the cage or in general, but inside of the cage, man, you got to give him credit. He's very, very talented. That's why I've seldom picked against him when I have. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, but I feel like he gets this done by decision. You know, I said he was going to beat Cheeto Vera by decision. We saw it happen there. And if Pedro, Mun Pedro Munoz uh, can do that and, you know, chop at the legs and, and find a finish, I'll be very happy. Very happy for him. Be very happy for anybody that bet him. But the pick here is O'Malley by decision. You just look at straight shots, even by slower guys like Cruz, who has always been deceptively fast. So Cruz, slower at his advanced age, is still much faster than given credit for. I will say that. Not Is he lightning fast? Fastest guy in the division? No, not at all. Faster than given credit for? Yes, because Cruz, even in his prime, people forgot slash didn't give him enough credit to how fast he was. So I'm, I'm not trying to commit that same mistake here. But again, you see an old Dominic Cruz just piecing him up with every straight shot. And you see that, you know, in the fights before that, you see old Frankie Edgar surviving. Um, and despite Munoz having early successes, because he just gets so tunnel vision with aggression that I think it just works against him. And it's hard to tell from the outside. I'm not him. You know, you guys aren't. None of us are. But I were to make a guess. Um, as to why he maybe loses spots, maybe he shouldn't, uh, despite having this, the success and showing him and the world that, okay, he can make it work. Where is it going wrong? I think it's just that classic tunnel vision. You know, you look for the knockout and it never comes. Um, and uh, O'Malley, I, you know, um, he's hard to hit clean on the chin. I suspect he's one of those skinny guys who are durable here, but it's the legs I always talk about, you know, the – Andre Ulls, Montel Jackson's, O'Malley's um, weight cut durability. When you're so tall and skinny, cutting the band and weight as you get older, it is it is definitely something to watch out for. How old is O'Malley right now, though? Um, he's been holding it together lately, 27. So yeah, um, not too crazy. You know, he he took some breaths in the Mo Motinho fight, but it's like, dude, you're just piecing your guy up for three rounds. Of course, you're gonna take some breaths, right? Uh, so I don't know how to like really hold that against him too hard. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then also page noted when I was talking about Bautista, um, the improved wrestling, um, it looks like there's been a trend of improving the offensive wrestling and every camp kind of goes through their own trend of that, right. Of really implementing that, um, city kickboxing. They were joking, calling themselves city wrestling. And you saw a bunch of people besides Brad Riddell, Radell high, who we'll talk about soon and shortly, um, improving on their wrestling. But one thing that's not some speculative trend here. That's been longstanding in the training of drawn crouch MMA fighters is their getup ability using the cage wrestling style getups and everything in between risk controls, far side risk controls, separating that grip as you turtle up and stand and use your back of the cage, multiple checkpoints uh, that are kind of symbiotic with the goal of getting up safely. One of the best camps. So you got to wonder how much of that has parlayed over to O'Malley. You know, I know the guy's got a lot of irons in the fire. I don't know how, how, how these people, again, I'm just, I'm just blown away by anybody who can, and it's not like I'm some lazy bum getting a lot done. I'm even more done now that I'm, um, I'm training in this program folks. So it's, it's, believe me, it's not like I'm a lazy bum. I'm just, I'm just, I really am. I really do appreciate anybody, no matter what they do, if they can just multitask a lot of different things. And this guy clearly is, um, again, I'll be happy if he loses. I'm not betting this fight. Uh, the O'Malley decision line is not high enough. Munoz, you could certainly justify a stab at plus 250 or higher. I'm not hating that there. 
But uh, I'm just going to stay away from this one, man. Uh, the pick is Sean O'Malley by decision. If he's able to finish Munoz as well, like would that be the biggest surprise if Munoz's legendary durability finally goes? Perhaps. Again, um, there was a fight where a bunch of the old dudes lost. Of course, I did bad on that. Surprise, surprise. And then there was a, a card uh, before that, I believe, that had like what was the stat? Four or five people who'd never been finished before. And you can guess it. I, I tend to bet on those guys. So I did, of course, you guessed it, bad on that card as well. Munoz is an older ancient, but he's got a lot of miles on him. And, um, yeah, it, it could happen. So, who knows? Uh, yeah. There we go. Sponsor opportunity right above. Yeah, you said it, Dan Urban. Um, <laughs> he's a lost boy like so many of us. Just extra. I'm not sure who you're talking about, but that sounds that sounds like a, a cool little saying there. Steve Gregory, Manscaped, where the more you <laughs> the bigger your garden looks. Yeah, there we go. See, they should have you uh, working for Manscaped. I, I will say I've been approached by certain like affiliate things or approached by certain sponsors, and then they see how much listeners I have, and then they they, they knock me down to an affiliate offer. I'm just not a great salesman, clearly. And a lot of these things, they're on like every podcast. Like, do you, you know what I'm saying? Do you guys need to hear about Manscaped more again? Do you do you really need uh, you know, um, I'm, sorry if my connection's unstable by the way folks it's reconnecting it's like do you really need another podcast uh you know uh, talking about that stuff i talk about enough you know uh, uh, dicks and stuff on the protecting neck podcast like must i pit must 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 i put you through more folks must i so uh so yeah um all right hopefully i'm still connected because it's like saying connection unstable but yeah all righty um Dun, dun, dun. I don't think a win over Sean Matthew Doolin says, I don't think a win over Sean Strickland is worthy of a title shot, but it's mostly a product of the lack of contenders at 185. Actually, I think Alex Izzy fight could be great given it'll be stand up. Me too. But uh, man, did that, that press conference, did that not kind of shift the interest, right? Like say what you will about Strickland, man. I'd, I'd be lying if uh, that dude didn't get me to chuckle. So, uh, again, that's not signing off on what he says. I'm just, just, just saying, if I'm being honest there, um, you know, uh, you know, how the UFC works too. So that's why I bring that up It's the, for public interest more than meritocracy. All right, let's push through. Um, oh yeah. It's in a main card fight here, right? Uh, Robbie Lawler minus 120, Brian Bam Bam Barbarina plus 100. That's very tempting to me. Um, we'll see, uh, maybe if I'm up at this point of the card. And Bam Bam is still plus money. Maybe I take a shot, but this is a fight I want. No matter what side you're on, it's kind of hard to bet. I'd rather just enjoy it. It's this tight anyways, which means it, you know, yes, it's both low points of entry, which means it is bettable by definition, but also is it really worth the squeeze? Maybe we just enjoy this one, you know, especially if you get to see something sad, like Brian Barbarina slice up Bobby Lawler with elbows, which is what I'm picking to happen. I know it's awful. I love, I love Bobby Lawler too, folks. Everyone's on Lawler. Everyone's picking Lawler. I get it. I love Lawler. Um, I'm also a big Brian Bam Bam fan. And uh, this is the Southpaw stat thing, right? This is the thing. Um, so this is the first one of those things. Lawler, five and four. He's actually got a, a winning record against UFC level Southpaws. And a lot of those losing fights were like to wrestlers, right? Whether we're talking about uh, Covington more relevantly or like back in the day, like, uh, well, no, actually he beat Frank Trigg. Sorry, but he was getting wrestled by him. So never mind. Maybe that wasn't a, a Southpaw wrestling loss. But context is important as I bring up uh, Robbie Lawler's record here. But the thing is, just because someone has the better record doesn't mean I, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to win the fight. Could he win the fight? Sure. 
I think Lawler is the deserved favorite, um, even though it didn't open that way, right? So people that took Lawler plus money, I don't blame you. I'm wishing you the best here. No hate, nothing that. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it's hard to tell Nick Diaz, you know, it was a southpaw, but Nick Diaz is also old coming off a forever long layoff, right? Um, Dos Anjos, I picked Dos Anjos to beat him. That 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 did happen. Um, it's kind of strange. You got Johnny Hendricks where he splits one, and you can argue that those results are kind of flipped. He beat Koscheck, who was a was a Koscheck a southpaw. Oh my god, it's been so long. I don't think he was actually. Sorry, scratch that. Um, yeah, most of the stuff goes way way back uh, as far as that goes. So, you know, it's it. it it's hard to tie how relevant that is. I think Lawler actually strikes pretty well um, with Southpaws. It just opens the lane for uh, high traffic. Um, Barbarina does as well. Barbarina will even kind of switch to Orthodox a bit, which is fine. Uh, Robbie Lawler said himself he's not training with strictly with Southpaws. He'll train with Orthodox, whoever. He kind of just likes to have that be ready for everything old school approach. Um, Brian Barbarina had some health issues as was looking real sketchy for a second there from um, – Ellenberger, Luke K. Brown, even in Anthony Ivy and Jason Witt, like looks look really sketchy. And then starts coming around the corner, starts looking physically a little better during the weeks. And then Matt Brown, which he does get tired in round three, but it's like, dude, that's such a high intensity fight. Like everybody should be getting tired. And even though he's tired, he still has the biggest moments in each round. Like I know the crowd was booing, but you could have argued. A, I think I, I think I went 29, 28, but you could have made a, a legit argument for a 30, 27 Barbarina because he had the most damaging moments in the round. Like clearly I had his guy stumbled kind of a deal uh, as well as doing physical damage and the like finishing the wrong strong round strong, all these things that you can accredit to somebody edging out around. He, he made his best argument for it. That's for damn sure. Uh, however you want to adjudicate it. I don't care. I'm just saying he made a good argument for it. Right. Um, and uh and yeah, and the fact that he was able to kind of out elbow the elbow king and Matt Brown, who even good elbowers like Tim Means got reckoned, you know, when he went against Matt Brown, uh, granted those back at UC 189. And Matt Brown was much older when he fought Brian Barberina. Still, nonetheless, Matt Brown was still very competitive in that fight. Uh, Matt Brown uh, has only kept consistently adding skills. Say what you will about being an aging fighter and the things he cannot escape, uh, the things he can control. He's, he's done a pretty darn good job. It's not just a crazy brawler. He's a technical brawler, right? Matt Brown. But he, but he's improved. Um, and, yeah, just seeing the uh, counter crosses, the, the check hooks, um, the elbow and the dirty clinch warfare. Brian Barberina is not going to be one to shoot for takedowns, which should be huge for Lawler. But I feel like, you know, if you, maybe Lawler has another live body in him, maybe we see the kind of shot gets, you know, um, you know, the gets uh unsure of himself or just you know lulls the output you know brian barbarina is going to bring up a, a strong pace so essentially if both guys survive and neither stop each other in that first round i feel like um robbie is going to fall behind in the numbers you know i don't think the type of fight will dictate a slow staring contest for a whole round but i think that's what robbie lawler's body will probably be wanting to do and and if Barbarina survives, he can either turn the tables in round two, or if he's already coming on top of the wild exchanges that I suspect are going to happen in round one, he can build onto his lead uh, to where 
either round three, um, there's a finish or Barbarina tires themselves trying to get said finish. And then all of a sudden, Lawler, especially like the back half of round three beginning and then the very end, maybe or something, it, it divvies out like one of those two ways. Lawler has a strong round three and you're sweating on your Brian Barbarina ticket, right? Um, so I could see it as one of those fights, which again is why probably why I, I haven't laid anything yet. I would need a more secure plus number in both houses for me, whereas I just have a small plus number in one. And I'll have a couple of, of bets, two, possibly three, that happen before this, folks, that we're going to get to next year. Uh, so we'll see how those go. You know what I'm saying? And like everything, I, I will post post publicly. But that's where I stand on this fight. Next fight, uh, we've got uh, Jalen Turner. Mr. Turner, minus 150. Brad Rydell High, Riddell, plus 130. Wow, Dan. You referencing musicals, old musicals and MMA? You wonder why, you know, you wonder, Dan, you wonder why. Um, but yeah, let's see. Uh, Hall of Fame show starting now, but don't worry, I'm still here. Good. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Don't make me go on another rant. Legacy. Who's Khabib's getting into the Hall of Fame already? Oh, my goodness. Undefeated record. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. How would we value those things? Where's Jens Pulver at? The lightweight godfather is not in the. The Hall of Fame yet? Uh, the guy who built the goddamn division. Um, not in the Hall of Fame yet, you know? No. The guy who did the leg wrap thing that Khabib was doing before Khabib did it and was dominating people. Uh, BJ, uh, the guy that was going multiple weight classes, winning titles, challenging boxers, going head-to-head with the UFC for fighter rights and pay stuff before uh, Connor uh, ran into those roadblocks and BJ. Um, I know BJ's in the whole thing, but I'm just saying it's just funny how we talk about legacies. Don't get me on another fucking rant, anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of health issues, did you notice band-aids on Holloway's back today? No staff, hopefully. Wow, I did not notice that, Mark Fellows. But yeah, wow, no, I did not notice that. He didn't seem like he was trying to hide it if he went off and did his face off. I saw on the press or shirtless. I didn't see that. So clearly he's not worried about hiding it. Um, yeah. Despite him winning, I thought Lawler did look relatively shot in his fight with Diaz. Uh, as long as Brian is conscious, he should be able to do enough to get the dub. Yeah, man, I don't know if I, I thought he was, he was he was shot looking, but I've accused him of that being shot before. So I guess to both our points, Drew, perhaps it's still there underneath. We'll see if it comes back out. Um, not that I'm, you know, rooting against Lawler, but, you know, my pick and possibly bet could be the other way, but uh, – I obviously am a Lawler fan, so I would not be mad if he he won there. But yeah, back to the uh, Riddell Turner. Um, this is tough. I was kind of back and forth. Uh, I think I was rubber banding back and forth on Aaron's pre-show, so I apologize. Hopefully, I didn't give any misinfo there. But I was able to actually dig in deep into this footage and watch like their last four fights each. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I actually ended up coming away with a read. Um, you know, I feel like the safest bet, I don't even know what his line, but like you want to parlay, like it doesn't go the distance or something because someone will probably get a finish. Sure. But then I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I see it. But I was looking at like the Riddell side. I wanted to maybe bet that side. You guys know I'm a big Brad Riddell fan. Best, best fighter at city kickboxing. Wink, wink. No, just kidding. I, you know, he's, 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 he's one of my favorites. Uh, I love Brad Riddell quake. Um, but when I was looking at it, um, is is difficult. It was difficult. So he's two and zero against the UFC Southpaws, and this is where it gets tricky because Magomedov's five primarily fights out of Southpaw. He lists himself as a Southpaw, but he does switch stances, right? 
Um, and he switched stances a decent amount in that fight, even though he mainly fought from Southpaw. So it was hard to tell. But uh, and he only throws one shot at a time. Completely different striking style than Jalen Turner. He uh, will relinquish the back foot so much that Brad, Brad Riddell was consistently almost coming forward on him, which is crazy because Brad Riddell is the one who typically relinquishes the back foot. So between Riddell typically relinquishing the back foot in the big cage and having that big cage for Mr. Turner to move around in, um, I kind of like him to get his groove. And not that grappling is the worst thing because – Riddell's grappling is more positional change stuff. You know, he's able to score with it and turn it around and, and edge out these really close fights after, you know, almost consistently kind of losing and getting roughed up early. Right. And uh, again, those are neck and neck decision things. And he wasn't really facing the greatest grapplers. His best grappler is probably Alex De Silva, who has way more wins by knockout. I believe double the wins by knockout are close to it than he does submissions. Those submissions come against low-level competition early in his career, as do most submissions. And the guy, I believe, is like a perfect belt in Luto Livre as well. Um, underrated wrestling and counter-wrestling, sure. Underrated clinch tactics, sure. Uh, but as far as jujitsu and submissions purely, um, you know, uh, not a specialist or not like his his game necessarily in particular. Not, 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 not the strongest point. Um, whereas... Jalen Turner has really been working on his ground game is a uh, a legit Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt as in he is only showing for his skills to keep growing and he's had that brown belt for some time so he may even be close to a black belt at this point maybe he already got it I didn't see any when I did a, a recent run of his Instagram I don't remember seeing any of that is so I could be wrong but he's at least a legit brown belt and, uh, of course, like a long guy has a lot of good front headlock looks, but he won't immediately sell out for it. Like even when it looked like he did against Koulibaly, it was because Koulibaly was kind of like pulling guard right when he felt the neck. It wasn't um, it wasn't like, you know, uh, Turner like selling out going to the ground. He'll kind of let the guy make their own mistake and catch them, whether it's front headlock or back takes. He's got really long frames and actual good skills, right? Like good jujitsu. Riddell is smart. I like Riddell's style because he's like me. He'll give his back to set traps in reverse positions, and it works. He'll get guys going high on the back. He'll flip them over. Um, he'll give them a, a false sense of a, a guillotine and then get his hips to the other side. Um, and that's what he kind of relies on, both uh, in reversal, like when he gives his back, and even arguably when he gets his takedowns because Turner can be taken down even though he's got a good takedown defense. But if you look at it, it's guys like with really good shots, underrated grapplers like Matt Favola, right? Who, you know, uh, that that win kind of ages well, or that decision loss or however you want to put it, uh, ages well. No matter how you look at it or score that fight, you look at how Favola did, you know, against a guy like uh, Sarukian, right? Uh, I think Favola kind of has earned, earned, earned respect on his name, at least as far as that goes, right? Um and uh, if you look at him or the people who scored takedowns, it was either like right when he was kicking and then like Turner gets right back up. I forget which fight that was, but that happened. That might have been Brock Weaver. Um, but his defense otherwise, like actually look, looks pretty good. Uh, Turner's and only looks like it's getting better. It looks like he's actually working on it. Uh, makes rounds in a lot of gyms in California outside of his main one, which, of course, is Rufka Gym. Um and you just look at people when they were to put together more than one one, one strike together, uh, like when Dober did. Uh, it made a huge difference where not only did he tag Riddell early, um, 
with, with lefts and right left crosses and right hooks, softball standard shots. Um, but throughout, even when because Dober like got it, it, it was funny, like he's doing really well for the first round, and in the beginning of the second round, he picks it up again and like hurts maybe outright drops or comes close to dropping Riddell, but then like shoots an uncharacteristic takedown and just wastes a ton of energy for a guy who doesn't normally grapple. And regardless of how the fight's going, kind of starts to tire uh, and gas out as the fight goes on anyways. Like he was just asking to get gassed out. So of course he gets really gassed out, but even really gassed out, he was still able to kind of consistently hurt, even though he was being sloppy and didn't have as much umph, obviously in the third round. Um, was still able to consistently connect with Riddell. And that those are kind of the southpaw uh, samples. Uh, Fiziev will switch stance, but mainly fights orthodox. And even though he switches southpaw briefly before the finish, it is a spin kick that finishes Riddell. Granted, what side does that hit on? The left side where all the power stuff is coming, all the Turner head kicks, all the Turner crosses. So I'm actually going to go with Turner here because I just think it's going to be too potent uh, of a matchup um it's going to be a bad stylistic matchup i think for riddell um especially you know after being proven wrong on malarkey obviously riddell both on paper and going by their head-to-head matchup over malarkey but malarkey better than you know i think people gave riddell crap for having such a blood and guts fight with malarkey but i think malarkey's you know kind of proved himself i mean even in that fight against turner like he had his moments there you know the, the dude's a dog it took like a billion body shots and a bunch of uh facial damage and knees and punches to get him out of there you know um but yeah sorry i'm kind of rambling here but but the point is uh i like riddell definitely not underestimating him i just i just think it's a bad matchup and uh so not only am i going with turner it sounds like i'm talking about striking right he's gonna hurt riddell he's gonna finish him by strikes probably gonna be early uh because uh He's he he is equipped to not let Riddell get uh, get out and reverse the fortunes like he normally does after normally getting hurt. Uh, and the reason why I think that is because I think he's got the ground game to secure it. Wrestling is what secures Riddell and keeps him safe. If you look at every time he's gotten hurt, what does he do? He shoots. He gives his neck right, and again he lets them and he reverses. He collects himself. Um, you know, against I mean it may save him. But he could still lose the fight, right? And and if it gets to the scorecards, because Turner is the one who had the clear point of the round where he hurt him. But if he doesn't, what he is going to do is he's going to shoot right into some submissions. And submission, I thought it was going to open. I would have been happy for like plus four hundred, maybe opens plus five hundred. Now it's you know it's down to like plus three seventy five, plus four something in my head. Nope, it opened even higher at plus 600 and then was inflated and listed even higher in my house. I saw it at plus 700 Turner submission. I know I've been in a bad rut, so it's weird for me um, to be confident on the few calls that I do have for this card, but this is kind of one of them. And even if it's not confident, I hate using the V word of value, but as far as like a, a value play, like you'll see what I, what I end up giving you guys um, by the end of this. But I feel like if there's any value there, um, it's this, it's, this is a strong one. Uh, Turner by sub. Don't go bet the house on it. I'm only putting a half unit, but like this is that number. This it's justifiable just to do a quarter unit, right? Uh, I actually threw a half unit at plus 700. We're going for the 700 club, baby, uh, Mister Turner. Um, I know I didn't expect to. I didn't expect to come out on that side, much less a bet. If I was going to have a bet on this fight, it was going to be dog or pass. But I went with Turner by sub, and that's it. Um, all right, we'll go through the rest of this rather quickly. 
Uh, Ian Gary. Hi, Gary. Minus 170. Gabe Green, plus 145. I feel like this is dog or pass. I, I know some people on Gary, so I'm not trying to sweat them with their bets. All the best to them. But this is just the feel that I get because Gabe Green is a guy like my guy Aaron Bronstetter said who will fight for your money. He just got his eyes adjusted. You know, uh, Ian Gary, again, technically 1-0 against UFC-level southpaws. But I didn't go back to rewatch the fight yet. But from what I recall, even though he finished Jordan Williams, he was taking some damage in that, right? Um, you know, and he's partnering up with a lot of people down at Sanford. But how much of it is him being on the nail as opposed to the hammer? I don't know. Uh, I'm still a bit underwhelmed. I don't want to jump on the hate train, even though I definitely could care less of what the young kid says. It's not my style. I'm not hating on him. It's just not my style. Uh, I will reluctantly pick him, folks. But this is dogger pass all over it in my books. So do not take my very reluctant pick of a fight I did not study, and I'm admitting to you that here. Don't take it too seriously. Next fight, though, Jim Milasan, Jersey, Jersey. Dan Irvin's in the chat. Uh, I know we got, uh, I don't know if he's from Bergen County, North Bergen. That's not where Jim Miller's from. Jim, Jim Miller is uh, is a Jersey farm boy, not from Salem County, I don't believe, but uh, I don't know what county Jim Miller's from, but he's out in the boonies there. I'm sure someone from the Jersey contingent will correct me in the chat. Going against Donald Cerrone, plus 165. By the way, shout out to my guy, Danny Mahoney. He's from Bergen County. Jersey, Jersey, rebel, rebel. Um, man, this sucks. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, don't, I didn't want Jim Miller to be a favorite. I definitely disagreed with him being a big favorite. So I don't blame anybody taking shots on Cerrone, especially for the bigger plus numbers that he was at. Um, because of not just what happened the first fight, but also because Jim Miller is under 5'9", and people under 5'9", no matter the stance, tend to tend to get eaten up by Cerrone's knees. Page note that note. Most importantly, the reason why I don't like it is because they didn't make him cut. Part of the reason why I switched from originally picking Cerrone over Lausanne, and then the last time it was booked in Austin, Lausanne over Cerrone, is because of the weight cuts, seeing what it did to him. Um, it was the reason why I faded him against Alex Hernandez, which looks like a terrible pick in retrospect, but that was the angle. Cerrone looking like a dang zombie, uh, the weight cut, the typical, you know, fading the old guy thing. And of course, when I do it, it's, it's very wrong. I did it early. Um, and I think now is, is the time. I mean, you want to talk shot. Uh, the only person that you can argue more of that uh, on this card or not uh, than Robbie Lawler is, is perhaps Cowboy Cerrone, right? Um, but Jim Miller, because of the savage that he is, the same guy who purposely gained weight so he could go up to welterweight to fight and beat Tiago Alves. Of course, of course, Jim fucking Miller is not going to say no. It's Jim fucking Miller. It's the man. It's my favorite lightweight of all time for a reason. One of my favorite fighters of all time for a reason, folks. Jim fucking Miller. Um, so you bet I'm picking Jim Miller here still. Because you know what? Uh, hearing Jim Miller, he's not a guy to make excuses. Again, he'll step up to the plate. He'll concede. He'll help his opponent have an advantage, right? This guy ain't making fucking excuses. He's been fighting with Lyme. Uh, before he knew he had it and after he knew he had it. You don't give an F, son. Rebel, rebel, Jersey, Jersey. Uh, but, you know, these things were true. He was going through a camp and management change. You know, um, the camp change was the freshest. And then not even long before that, I remember, because he used to have, like, uh, shouts, Mike Constantino back in the day, uh, who was, was a deceptively, uh, I liked him in the corner, one of my one of my earlier favorite cornermen back in the old school MMA Junkie Radio days. They used to have Mike Constantino and Dan Dan Miller, and Jimmy Miller on the show. Um, but yeah, Jim Miller was going through changes. Uh, plus, I don't even think he realized he had Lyme then. 
And then he also had like multiple like foot injuries and stuff. He could barely train. Uh, and you know what? You think about it, you're like, that does make sense because Cerrone, who page note, I quoted it being four and ten against UFC level southpaws. Um, the point is he's he's five hundred in the wrong way, minus five hundred, right? Uh, no matter how you cut it, against UFC level lefties and even short ones, we're able to beat the fault line, right? RDA did. Uh, RDA obviously proved to have a higher ceiling than Jim Miller, right? Um, granted, but you look at it, you're like, yeah, and, and Jim Miller wasn't the same Jim Miller to what Jim Miller was then. And Jim Miller, again, like Matt Brown, obviously old and a lot of intangibles that are negative that come with that, but they've gotten better. You look at their stand-up style, they've actually been more diverse. Like, fighters will lose weapons. You know, the wrestler that relies on his hands will stop going to his wrestling when he's older, not because he's already fallen in love with his hands in the mid-career, but it's because even if he changed up his mindset, his back won't allow his back and his knees won't allow him to wrestle, you know? So you see guys lose tools generally, whereas Miller, um, you know, he's not a lights-out wrestler. He never has been, but he's still his, his double-leg shot is still intact. He still regularly will go for it. And stand-up, clinch, and everywhere in between, uh, he's, he's become a better fighter. He's become a better striker. He's getting more uh, not, uh, clean knockouts for the finishes. And even before he was getting those results, it's not just me talking and hopping on some relevant, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, convenient trend uh, as far as the finish goes. No, even look at the fights that he lost, won, won by decision, won by submission. Um, you see the striking and the impact of it getting better. He knows that Cerrone's not taking shots as well. And even though he wasn't a dick and didn't make him cut to 155 like you should have jimmy boy um he knows what he's looking for and then here here in his interview i know you key i take interviews with the grain of salt like i was like oh yeah um that's right jim miller is a finisher you know he's he's gonna go for the finish do or die um so that's the only thing i took from here i actually I just ended up playing jim miller inside the distance uh bet online doesn't have anything up yet um but my bookie had plus 105 for ko either ko DQ or submission, all those count. So, um, yeah, I just took a three-quarter unit, 0.75 units on Milasan inside the distance um, at a quarter unit there. Um, so we'll see. Excuse me. Ah, Andre Muniz, minus 320, Uriah Hall, excuse me, plus 265. I think this is out of range because Muniz is like, it's chalked to bet him by sub uh, at this point. Uh, what did he even open at by sub? Uh, he probably didn't even. Yep, he opened at minus one ten. Of course, you weren't even going to get it uh, at the opener, because um, the secret's out. And I hate to pull that card because uh, you know multiple people have, I'm sure, have told you about this guy. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but yes, I am probably one of the few who have consistently and explained that this guy's a different level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and he's been cashing for us whether at stupid plus number money lines that he shouldn't have been against Bartosz Fabinski, or just you know. Um, plus money sublines against uh, Eric Anders and the like. Um, he's been doing really well for us in this podcast. And for that reason alone, it makes me want to find a way to play him. But with my bankroll, I'm really going to have to spend a lot of money and put a lot more exposure on the board just to play him. And even though watching Uriah Hall versus Sean Strickland made me even more confident in him that he can get the takedowns, even in the big cage. Um and that I think he can actually finish him because, uh, you know, uh, his finishing is much more persuasive as far as MMA, jiu-jitsu to MMA submissions go than a shoe face, I dare say, despite shoe face just 
jacking himself up going over to the PFL. Um, but yeah, Muniz is my guy. I'm gonna get him by sub here. Uh, if anything, like the only thing I maybe would play would be round one sub because I think he's gonna have to get him out of there in round one. That's when he gets most of his guys out of there. And I know Hall's not an easy guy to sub traditionally, but this is kind of getting toward the end. Hall's getting older. Um, and if you go Muniz bet online round one sub plus two fifty. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would go like what is that? Maybe I go a half unit on that or something for you know a one twenty five comeback. Um, I, I might do that. Depends where I end up here. We'll see. Um, but that's the one thing that I would consider. Otherwise, I would maybe parlay him with Jessica Rose Clark. I think that's plus one eighteen. She's in the neighborhood of minus one fifty five, minus one fifty. A neighborhood of minus three hundred. That's like a plus one fifteen, plus one eighteen. So you can get plus money for a two, two for there. Um, but again, now you're incorporating not just okay. Well, Uriah Hall has that upset potential. We saw Mirza Khanoff, uh, Staunch Muniz. There could be a chin thing there. That is Uriah Hall's one path to victory. That is Muniz's one way of losing. However, small that window may be closing, it's still fucking there, and it's the most potent one, right? Then you got to add on. WMMA losing by armbar, which I could have swore wasn't going to happen. And then now watch, not only is it going to cost me money betting against it by betting Rose Clark in her last fight, but now the fear of getting burnt there is going to keep me away from betting Rose Clark here, and then I'm going to lose money. But again, I, I don't know if I have much money to, to fucking go around this card if I'm trying to be responsible. Um, so, you know, do I extend myself for just, just to add some chalk on there? And combine some chalk for a small plus money payout with some decent exposure on my bankroll. I don't know, but if I play Muniz or Rose Clark, that's how I do it. Uh Drake is the police. South Africa. South African. He's a farmer. Somebody ask this guy about apartheid and make it real awkward, folks. Uh oh gosh. Yeah, it's real. South Africa. No offense to any South African listeners. I don't need Ernie L showing up with a golf golf club going. I don't like Targa and I don't like you. And it's the Asian side. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's what Ernie L said. But maybe he would say that to me. I don't blame him. Uh, you know, I, I do look like a guy you'd want to hit with a golf club, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, Dreykus, do please. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, opened as the dog. And, of course, dude, death taxes and MMA betting public uh, disrespecting Brad Tavares. Like, seriously. The MMA, I, I love y'all, and I don't want to be a sore winner, and I, and I root for people more than most, and I try not to be a victory lap guy. But I'll tell you what, even I've yet to bet Bad Devars. I'm going to look to bet him here. He's my pick, obviously. This I'm going to state my bias for extreme couture, Hawaiian bias, Brad Devars bias, all the above. Love them all. Biased. All right, folks, biased. That being said, even if I'm biased, and even if I don't end up betting, which I'm probably still going to throw a unit on by Tavares here, because again, the air quote value argument alone, this is the one good thing about being the late guy is you get to fade the public when you think that they're dead wrong. And in those cases, that generally means you're getting a favorite for a plus money price, which again, value argument alone, I shouldn't even have to explain myself at that point, but I will. Um, but again, uh, even at that point, even if I didn't bet, let's just say, right? And again, all those feathering in the nest and caveats I just laid out. Even if people I like bet do, please, I'm sorry. You guys got to forgive me slash everybody who fades Tavares unfairly deserves to have this one rubbed in their face if Brad Tavares beats do, please. MMA, gambling, Twitter, 
Uh, I know half y'all hate me. Uh, half y'all love me. And I risk the, making that ratio go further negative. But I'm sorry. The amount of disrespect that you give older fighters, veteran fighters in general alone. Uh, obviously. I don't need to explain myself there. But especially this guy. Especially this guy who continues to get better. Who is still in his early 30s. You know, um, who just has great reactions from his eyes and exchanges to his reactions for takedowns, his flexibility, his agility, his in transitions, like everything's constantly getting better. But the disrespect this guy gets, like, holy shit. I'm sorry. If Brad Tavares wins, I am probably going to, you know, be rubbing it in the general, uh, general U.S. face, uh, whoever fades this man, because the dis- just the disrespect of this guy constantly gets on the betting lines, talking points, rankings from the UFC, recognition, just the amount of work. Uh, being able to be in the UFC no matter what division, as long as he has, and have a winning record, and the guys you lose to aren't that bad. They kind of age pretty darn well, you know? You know, outside of a Tim Bosch surprise knockout in a fight you're winning, which could happen here and is Duplice's main main path to victory, sure. Duplice has done some work at Samford, but he's still kind of janky, aggressive. He's still not a decision guy. He's going against the decision guy, right? Uh, most of his finishes require being on the ground outside of his last two TKO uh, wins with his janky striking. Uh, that is improving to his credit. Uh, Duplice's. I think for Um, but the guy is a judoka. Uh, his grappling, his martial arts base, the majority of his wins and winning conditions are submissions. But again, I don't know how much of a submission expert he is because he's been submitted by Gareth McClellan. I'm gonna have Gareth McClellan and Ernie Els waiting outside for me now. Watch. You get what I'm saying here. You get the point I'm saying here. Um, you know, this could be a classic for sure, you know change another guard but man this guy is just just not um just just not proven and i don't think he has those intangibles like the other people that have gotten past Tavares. like maybe tim bosch is the most passable analog and dynamic and reasonable path to victory for duplicis but to be laying the chalk on him like and to completely flip the line and then lay the chalk I'm I'm sorry, I'm bias admitted, but I I know I'm rooting for Tavares and I'm biased, but shoot, I'm also rooting for anybody that that fades Tavares because the guy's been fucking disrespected, top five disrespected fighters on the regular by MMA Twitter at the UFC level, Tavares. That's a fact. You don't have to like me. You don't have to like him. You can be on the other side. It's still a fucking fact you can't deny. Let's go Tavares. Yeah, fuck uh. What's it called? Uh, Ernie else. <laughs> Macy Barber, speaking of likable people, minus 285. Jessica, evil eye, plus 240. I've gotten a soft spot for Jessica, eye, but Macy Barber, not so much. That being said, I got to be an unbiased analyst. Give credit where credit's due. Barber has been finally showing those improvements, right? Let's see. I'm not going to get overexcited and overinflate and overcorrect the steering wheel back and forth, as everybody tends to do in WMMA. But I'll pick Barber here. Probably by decision. Who knows? Who cares? And, yeah, I'm taking Rose Clark, uh, minus 155 over Storia Lenko. Uh, But no plays 
there. All right, let's check the stats, recap, and get the heck out of here. It's a long, it's been a long show. Um, all right. And we made it. Brad Taschek, Cerrone decision 500. Wow. Cerrone decision 500. You know what? Yeah, I could. If that's actually the value on Cerrone for sure, right there, because um, it could just be an ugly decision, like where, you know, he doesn't have the output gusto and whatnot. Maybe he starts running out of steam late, but Cerrone doesn't pay for it because it's Miller and he's already gassed and you just get a slow thing. Yeah. Yeah. If Miller doesn't finish him, that's running by decision is probably super live. So best of luck to you. State my bias. Talk about a guy who fights for your money. Mike C. Amir Ibrahim is a fantastic Muay Thai coach. Oh, yeah. The, uh, Amir uh, Ibrahim is a fantastic Muay Thai coach. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you sub Jack Array, you can sub the world. That's true. That's true, Dan. <laughs> Calcutta rat shit round two or round three. Calcutta rat shit. Oh, my God. Oh, which fight's that for, Brad? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Closed as a favorite to YOLO. Love you, Dan. But the Brad Tavares is disrespected train sale back when he closes. A, did he close as a favorite to YOLO? Wow, that was like ages ago, though. That was ages ago. That surprises me, though. Still, nonetheless, ages ago or not, that that blows me away. He was favored. Wow. That blows me away. He fought his ass off as hard as he could against YOLO, but uh, he was swimming up. My guy was swimming upstream in that one. Damn, he was favored in that? All right, Steve Gregory, there are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. <laughs> Steve, always cracking me up, man. Always fucking cracking me up. DAZ files, let's go. All right, yeah, I don't know which one's going to be my rat shit in Calcutta. I feel like my, I've had all rat shit in Calcutta bets. Um, if I have a losing night, this will be rat shit in Calcutta for me. I'll have to be just eating another plate of shit. Um, for sure. Hopefully it's not. Um, a part of me doesn't want to recap my picks and plays. I know I forgot last week, but I still got to get viewing hours up and I, I love you guys. I'm not giving you shit. That's why I have it. But I know some of y'all just kind of tune in at the end for the recap with the picks and plays and, um, fuck it. I'll do it this time. But after this time, um, I'm not going to do it until I get to the watch hours and then I'll bring back the recap of the picks and plays at the end. You guys can't get mad at me because it's not like I'm a fucking Patreon person or a, a tout person like charging for my picks or whatever. Like I got to do what I can, man. <laughs> I got to do what I can to earn 30 cents every stream from YouTube, folks. Let me let me qualify for that, will you? Uh, so forgive me. Not like any other freaking podcast recaps, recaps their picks and plays at the end. All right. Taking... Adesanya over Cannoneer, taking. Volkanovski over Holloway, taking. Pareja over Strickland, taking. O'Malley over Pedro Munoz, taking. Bam Bam Barbarina over Bob Lawler, taking. Mr. Turner over Radell High, taking. Hi, Gary, over Green, reluctantly, taking. Milasan over Donald Cowboy Cerrone, taking. Muniz over Hall, taking Tavares over South Africa, Duplessis, taking Barber over I, taking Clark over Stolyarenko. Uh, my plays, uh, I'm looking at Tavares to throw a unit on. I haven't yet. Um, maybe I might do Muniz sub round one, throw like a, a half or just under half a unit on that. We'll see. Um, I did play Miller inside the distance plus 105 for three quarter units, 0.75. 
Um, Turner by sub plus 700, 700 club, baby. Half a unit there. Um, Adesanya inside the distance, one of my most confident bets, plus 131 unit. I may add more to that, and I'm definitely going to play the under. It just depends on the funds on how much, but uh, it'll probably be a, a two-unit bet or just above a two-unit bet for the under 4.5. Hopefully, I can get it in that minus 115 range as a hedge for a cannoneer win. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. Uh, good luck on your uh, picks and plays. Like the video if you haven't. Sub to the channel, Daniel, Tom, MMA. Follow the Protecting Neck Podcast at the PYM Podcast on all social platforms. Hopefully, I'll get this one uploaded a little faster. Thanks to the help from someone from the MMA Analysis. Uh, thank you, Nushan. And thank you, all of you guys, who just kind of uh, just been saying nice words and trying to pick my sorry ass up. Um, and uh, I'm going to try to pick my sorry ass up back in the gym in Yana, baby. It's just training. Uh, I'm feeling good training. I hope training is not correlating to why I've been having bad picks or whatever being pulled in different directions but uh, i'm excited man the weight's coming down and uh we're gonna get it um hopefully we can get it this weekend and secure that bag all the best good luck on your picks and plays and always protect your necks.